0: you can go ahead and have a seat. Yeah, you can clap too. that's good. So I, I want to ex- explain a little something. If, if you are uh, first, first time to church or, or wondering, man, that was long. That was a lot of singing. I think that's one of the most important things that we do on Sunday morning is, is we get to find out who God is. And once we find out who God is and, and what He's done in our heart and what He's done in our lives, we get to sing praises to Him and just say, God, you're amazing. I realize that the only victory I have in life comes through you and from you, and I thank you for that. And I thank God, you know, just, just a little bit ago, I was sitting there just listening to everyone, His creations, just sing to Him and tell Him how awesome He is. And so I'd encourage you, if, if singing is something that you're uncomfortable with, I grew up Baptist, so if anyone has an excuse to be uncomfortable singing or clapping or raising their hands, or whatever it may be, I have, I have the biggest excuse. But it's not an excuse thing. It's a heart posture thing. It's a life thing of just crying out to God and saying, God, here's my life. Thank you for being so beautiful, so amazing. Thank you for that victory. So I'd encourage you, if, if worship is something that you're uncomfortable with, start exploring into it. Just start focusing on the words. Just start focusing on your heart and, and what you're singing and how you're singing to God. So thank you guys for leading us today. That was awesome. The medley of old songs that I love, mixed with the new stuff, and so—and the powerful words. So, thank you, guys. We are, yeah. We're we're gonna go straight in. We got a lot to cover today, so get your A game on. We're going to Luke chapter seven. I'm tackling a ton of verses today. I, I this message was hard. Okay, this is one of those. Usually, it seems like messages come, and, I'm, and, and during the week, God is, is just showing me some stuff, and Grandpa gives me some great advice as I sit with him, and, and, and just God just kind of works on me all week long. Well, this week was one of those weeks that he was working on me all week long, but he, it was really like, Aaron, I don't know what you're going to say. Good luck with this one. I'm like, are you kidding? Like All, all week long, I've been struggling. Okay, dude, we're going to cover chapter 7 of Luke, 18 through 35, those verses. That's a lot of verses. Um, Up until yesterday, we were only going to go to verse 23. So congratulations, we just doubled the amount of of space that we're covering today. But you'll see why. And we're going to do it a little differently today than normally. So open your Bibles, Luke chapter 7. We're going to go uh, starting at verse 18 through 35. And we're going to kind of split it into two sections. So let me me read the first section for you as, as you follow along in your Bible. John's disciples told him, about all these things. All these things that just happened previously, last week and the chapter before. So, told him about all these things. Calling, calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who has come, or should we expect someone else? Verse 20. When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you. Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Verse 21. At that time, at that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive the sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Verse 23, blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. We're going to stop right here. This is going to be part part one, okay, of this message. As we as we begin to look through here, there are some things that have jumped out at me this week, and as 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 I've been finalizing this message, and it was this: Are you the one? And so, in your Bible, if you you'll look and, and follow along, in verse eighteen, um, John sends disciples to say, "Are you the one?" So let's get let's get a little context here. Let's let's do a little review. So. We're all kind of on the same page as to what's happening. John the Baptist is in prison. Right now, he's in prison. He's in prison because Herod sent him to prison. Because John the Baptist was a prophet, and he called out Herod for taking his own brother's wife as his own. So Herod went to his brother and said, Your wife is now mine. John the Baptist said, Time out. That's probably not good. And he spoke up. And like prophets often did in the Old Testament, they were just tortured for speaking the truth. And so Herod has now thrown John the Baptist in prison for doing this. Let's even go back a little further. John the Baptist, if, if we'll go all the way back to Luke chapter 1. John the Baptist, if, if you if you remember, um, his dad was Zechariah. And Zechariah was a holy priest. And He had the opportunity, Zechariah, to go into the Holy of Holies in the temple, which is like a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to go into the Holy of Holies. And as Zechariah walked into the the temple, an angel of the Lord came upon him and said, I'm going to give you and your wife a son. And they were old. They were really old. (laughs) And Zechariah said, really? The angel didn't know what to do, so struck his mouth said, now you're going to be mute, you're not going to be able to speak. In fact, when you have this son, we want you to name him John, because he is going to prepare the way for the Messiah, the king that's coming. And so, John the Baptist is born to Zachariah, who is a priest, who himself is set apart. And as we look at John's life, he grows up, and, and we see later on that he's the one that gets the honor of baptizing Jesus when Jesus comes on the scene. And John is the one that is sitting there and baptizes Jesus. And watches the Holy Spirit descend upon him. And the voice of heaven say, this is my son in whom I love. So this is the John the Baptist we're talking about. Okay, so we have some context right now. But right now, where's John the Baptist? John the Baptist is in prison. He's, he's been set apart since birth. Not only that, his father was set apart, and all his whole life, he's been preparing for preparing the way of Jesus. And now Jesus is on the scene. John is baptized him. He's already seen all this amazing stuff, and we get to this text where it confuses me a little bit. My whole life has been set up to prepare the way for Jesus, right? That's what I've been doing. And in this text right here, he says, are you the one? Really? Like, I just baptized you. I just watched the Holy Spirit fall on you. I've been praying and preparing my whole life for you. But now John is in prison and he asks a basic question. Are you the one? I think he asked for two reasons. And this is, just as, this is my thoughts here. And, and a lot of different scholars have different thoughts and reasons of why he may have asked. But I, I think this, okay. One, John's sitting in prison and he's looking for someone a little more warrior-like right? And because the people are so oppressed by the Roman government right now, the Jews are so oppressed by the Roman government that John's like, ah, Jesus, I thought when you came you were going to be the great redeemer. Like, you were going to be the mighty warrior, the one that set us free, the one that took Rome and just said, boom! The one that said, here I am and I'm going to destroy the world. And so maybe, possibly, some scholars say he's sitting in prison going, ah, Jesus, I thought you'd look a little different than this. Like the reports I'm getting from you, are you're loving people. Like you're healing and all that gooey stuff, right? And I thought you'd be a little more punching in the face kind of thing. So that, that's one thought of why, he, why people say he, he's in prison and he says, Are you the one? I kind of like this second thought. This is kind of what I think John's going through. Because I can relate to this a whole lot. John has prepared his whole life for this moment. Now he's in prison, and Jesus is out healing and stuff. And honestly, I could see myself getting depressed in prison at this point. He's lost hope. Like he has, He's lost hope. He said, I've been preparing forever for this moment, and the, and the good stuff's going down, and I'm missing it. And he really, he's asking a very basic question that I think every one of us asks every day of our life. We are looking for confirmation. We are looking to know that God loves us. We are looking to know that what our hands are doing or what we're thinking is right on track, that Jesus is still in love with us. He's not disappointed with us. I think John the Baptist is sitting in prison, and he's going, did I blow something? Like, why am I here? Should I have not said what I said to Herod? Like, ah, Jesus, do you love me? And I think he's sending out a message to Jesus with these people, and he's looking for confirmation. Confirmation. Now that I get, I get that. I understand that. Because I don't know about you. I'm looking for confirmation from Jesus every day. I'm looking for confirmation from my wife, from my kids, from my friends. We all need confirmation. And I believe Jesus is sitting there. And and John is saying, God, would you please just confirm me for being here right now? I think he also got a little impatient. And I think this is me as well. Just, just imagine this. We're, we're all in a band, and we're really good. Like, Mandy, you're tearing it up on guitar. Like, wow. We've been practicing forever. Our band is, is going really good. We've been practicing for years and years. We even got a cool name, like Time for a Haircut or something like that. Like, it's, a, it's an awesome band. We've been practicing forever. And finally, we get that call. You know, I don't know if it happens this way anymore, but old school, man, it happened this way. You get a call from the record label. And so we all fly to, to, I don't know, New York City, and we get to show them our demo, or we get to play music for them. And they're like, oh, yeah, oh, you guys are awesome. And then we fly back home, and now we're just waiting for that call, that call that says, here's your contract. You guys are going to tour the world, and we're just so excited. We're so excited for this, and we're sitting by the phone waiting for the call. Is anyone ever been there? Maybe not in that scenario, but anyone been there? Were you just kind of impatient? And you're like, ah, I wonder if that's, if that's John the Baptist also. He's calling out and he's waiting. He's like, where's that contract? Where's that? I want, I want part of this action. Like, here it is. We all just need a little bit of confirmation. And here's a good Bible verse for you if you need confirmation today. Galatians 4, 7. You no longer have to live as a slave because you are a child of God. You are a child of God. And since you are his child, God guarantees an inheritance is waiting for you. There's no conditions on this. It doesn't say, there's a good inheritance waiting. If you obey every law and do everything right, then it's going to be good. There's no conditions on here. That means where you are today. As you sit here today, if you've called out on the name of Lord Jesus Christ and said, God, I give my life to you. He says, you are my child, and there is an inheritance waiting for you. Is that confirmation? That's confirmation. That's the stuff I like to hold on to every day. And I think that is what John was looking for as he's sitting in in prison. I think some of the thoughts he's also thinking through is, man, I can't imagine God would let me be in this prison right now. What about you? I can't imagine that, that God would let this government still persecute us, as John's probably thinking. Like, I just spoke the truth. I'm in here. I shouldn't be in here. God, why are you allowing me to be in this prison right now? Like, we can't imagine it. And we're asking for God to rescue us from our prisons, whatever they may be, our financial disasters, our, our office politics going on in our office building, whatever, you know, our addictions, our vices. We're asking God to remove us from the dark and lonely hours, the prisons that, that we find ourselves in every day. We're saying, God, would you please rescue us from this prison that we're in? And I'm not sure what your prison in or, or is right now or what you're going through right now, but Romans 10, 13 says, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you believe that? Amen. Do you believe that you can call out on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved? You shall be rescued from this prison that you're in, your thoughts, your emotions, your actions, everything. It's beautiful that Jesus knows how much that we need his confirmation. And he says, I love you, period. I love you. Whew. Okay, go to, let's, let's go to verse 20, kind of skim a little bit here. Um, when the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist is a little insecure and wants us to ask, ask you a question. Are you the one who has come? Or should we expect someone else, verse 21, at that very time, at that very time, at that instant, not waiting a millisecond later, at that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases sicknesses and evil spirits, gave sight to many who were blind. He replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. I like that part right there. Report to John what you have seen and heard. Have you let life's circumstances affect your relationship with God? I'll I'll just ask this question. Have you asked, or have you let life circumstances affect your relationship with God? Like, do you have a circumstantial God? As in, today, it was a good day, so God must be good. Or, today was a bad day, so God must be bad. See, God wants to be beyond the circumstances of your every life. I found that, Oftentimes, some of the bad times in my life, as James later talks about in the the whole book of James, I found that James is right on when he he says that oftentimes those bad things that are going on in our life are so that we'll be stronger, that we'll know more about how much God loves us. John is in prison. He's going through a a bad thing. He sends two people. They see all this incredible stuff, and I can't imagine the report that they go back and give to, to John who was at one point maybe doubting him, but now he's like, he's doing what? Awesome, he is good. Like, do we rely on God as a circumstantial God? In our good days, he's a good God, but in our bad days, he's a bad God? I can think back to parts of my life, some of the parts where I matured a whole lot or, or whatever you want to call, and, and, and one of them in particular was, man, we, we uh, were working at a small church in, in Houston, Texas, little tiny church, we didn't really like it. Can I say that? Yeah, we didn't like it. And we were packing up shop, and we were going to move back to Colorado because we were just kind of done with this whole church thing, the way that it was being done there. And then along comes this big church, and they're like, hey, Aaron, for some reason, we want to hire you. I'm like, really, me? You got the right guy? And we want you to start our fifth and sixth grade program. Like, do, like do this thing. And Lauren and I are very excited. That summer before, we took seven kids to camp, The next summer, we took like 6 billion kids to camp. It's incredible the jump that happened that summer. But there was something that happened in between. They said, we want to hire you. I said, okay, very good. So we resigned our job, and we were going to start Fellowship of the Woodlands the very next day. However, in this two-week process, there was a thing called 9-11 that happened. And then in, in this process right here, this two week process, they were finishing up, that, that church was finishing up a building project, multi million dollar building project. And so they, they got very scared. Like, we don't know what's going to happen to funding in church anymore. We better put a pause on your job. And, and I'm going, oh. Would have been helpful. Yesterday! You know, what? Right? It's like, oh, oh. And so we had a decision to make. What do we do? Like, oh my goodness. I'm in Houston. We have. Two baby girls, how do we eat, like what do we do, Should we? what do we do, I didn't know what to do, we didn't know what to do, but we knew one thing, God was calling us to stay in Houston, God was setting us apart for this job, and I think he was testing us, I think he was saying it's going to be hard, it's going to be very hard, but, but will you do it, will you do it, and for the next, I don't know, six months or whatever it was, I don't, it was just chaos, seeing how god provided for our needs during that time was incredible being patient and waiting eventually we got the job but it came with a lot of hard work it came with a lot of times where i would just i would cry and say god how, how are we going to feed our family you know, i'm putting up signs i'm doing whatever i can i'm getting i can't even get jobs at like applebees cuz i'm overqualified i'm like you don't understand i want to feed my family well, i'm overqualified whatever but what about your life What about your life? What about those moments where it's really dark, it's really hard, it's really heavy. You find yourself in a prison. See, God says, in those moments, I'm building you, and I'm there, and I love you. See, Jesus can handle your doubt if you're doubting God. In a very real sense, John was doubting at this point, wasn't he? He was doubting. Are you the one? And I think he was doubting for a couple different reasons. Are are you the one? Like he wanted to make sure what he was saying was accurate. He wanted to make sure that this is the guy that he actually put his life on the line for, that he's been preparing for. And so he's, he's saying, God, I've got a little doubt, but may I question you. Have you ever questioned God? I think he allows that. Would you agree? God will allow you to question My thought in this line of doubting God and questioning God is this. Where does your doubt take you? If it takes you to unbelief, I don't think that was good doubt. If it takes you to confirmation in who Jesus is, then doubt away. Because it's good to question what God's doing in your life. Here we see John questioning, saying, are you the one? Number one, Jesus can handle that doubt. Number two, this is what we get to do as church project. So everybody just kind of shake it up a little. It's cold. Shake it up. We get to doubt together. We get to walk together. We get to experiment together. We get to strengthen each other together. What about our house churches that we have? What an incredible place to show up and say, you know what Aaron talked about on Sunday? I didn't like that at all. In fact, I don't agree with that at all. I think he's lunatic. Go ahead, feel free. I might be a lunatic. I hope you're checking up. I hope you're reading this. I hope you're studying this yourself. We have to have a safe place to talk, to dialogue, to figure out who God is, to doubt out loud, to encourage each other. That's what our house churches are for. If you're not in a house church, get in one. Because they're awesome. That's why we have house churches to walk through our unbelief and our doubt. And and at the end of the day, hopefully all our doubt and our questions and everything lead to how awesome God is. Sometimes we just need help doing that. So these guys went back and they reported, you know, what, what Jesus was seeing or what he was doing. Okay, what I think is weird is that they asked him a question, right? And he immediately responded with an answer, didn't he? Well, <laughs> not really. They, I mean, they asked him a very specific question. And then, and then I mean, just look at it, okay? He says, is you the one who's come? Or should we expect someone else? Verse 21. At that very time, Jesus cured. He started curing. He started doing. He started healing. He didn't really say much at that point. And what kind of answer is that? Did you listen to me? Like I had a question. Usually you respond with some words at this point. And they ask a question and he says, oh yeah, here's your answer. Bam. And he does all this incredible stuff. Some of the best answers to questions are brilliant questions. Okay, let me say it again because it's weird, weird wording, sorry. Some of the best answers to questions are brilliant questions. Because if you ask a brilliant question as an answer... What does it do? It gives someone the freedom to process and to conclude on their own. A command, sure, a command, I'll follow it. Any robot can follow a command. But if you ask a brilliant question and ask someone to process on their own, they're gonna come to a conclusion that's more likely to take root in their life because they are the ones that see it. They've deducted why. See, Jesus knows this. He's like, hey, Jesus, are you the one? He could be like, Straight up on the one, boom, go tell John. And they go back and go, What do you say? Straight up on the one, boom, go tell John. I'm like, oh, that's kind of he shows he does. And then at that point, they go back. They've drawn their own conclusion. So they ask, Are you the one? The Savior that we've been waiting for. And this is a question that is in need, uh, uh, in less need of an exclamation, explanation as it is an action. Okay. You want an illustration to that? Imagine again, now we're all basketball stars. We were rock stars, now we're basketball stars, okay? So we're basketball stars and someone comes up and says, are you the greatest shot of all time? Are you, can you make every basket? The rumor about you is you are the one that can make every basket all around the world. And you could respond and say, boom, that's right, I am. Or you can say, free point line, half court, half court, full court from the balcony making every shot like around the world coming right back around going, check this shot out, I've created this one, you know, whatever, you know, all these incredible shots and never saying a word, do you think you have now answered the question? Jesus answered the question. Are you the one? Dead, healed, sight, given, despair, hope. What do you think? What do you think in your life when Jesus asks you to follow him He doesn't ask for blind faith. He's given us a lot of illustrations. He's given us a lot of life. He's shown us so much. And he asks you, Do you believe who I am? And I haven't given you, I'm not asking you for blind faith. I've given you examples. But he does ask you for faith. Do you believe in who Jesus is? Can he be the one that rescues you from these prisons? that forgives, that gives hope? Is he the one in your life? I wanna go down to verse 23 because it's a weird verse. And as you read through this later on, um, hopefully this week, during your own time, you're gonna come across this verse and it's gonna confuse you a little bit because it confused me a whole lot. But verse 23 says this, blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. It's a weird verse to put in here in this story. And I found a version, the ESV version, that I think says it really, really cool. And this is what it says. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. I think that's a beautiful explanation of that one sentence right there. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. If you you believe in me and you have faith in me, you're not embarrassed of me, you're willing to follow me, then you are going to be blessed. But if not, I don't even know who you are. Okay, now this is where the, it's going to get really weird. That was part one of the message. Is that cool? Part one. Beautiful. But if you look in your Bible, there's these natural breaks, and it kind of goes all the way down to verse 35, and this is the part I struggled with forever. I'm like, what do we do? It's still talking about John the Baptist, but I don't know. there's a whole lot that we can say right here. And Anyways, I want to read from 24 to 35. And if you're comfortable with it, I'd invite you to close your Bibles, actually, if, if you want to. Or I'm going to read out of the voice version. I'm going to go to the voice translation here, and I'm going to read this. But as, as I read this, think of it as like a, like a, a one man act. I'm putting on a play. Or think of it as a, as a story right here, because we know what's happened already. John's in prison. He says, is Jesus the one, sends two guys? They said, are you the one? He makes his free throws all over the place. They go back and they tell they tell John. But this is what happens when they leave. So I invite you into this little story right here. And I think, I think God will kind of prick our hearts as we go through this story. And then I want to ask us some questions. Verse 24. When John's messengers left, Jesus talked to the crowd about John. And picture this. Are you the one? Free throws, yes. They leave and he's watching. He's like, okay, they're gone. Listen, about this John guy that they just asked, okay, about this John guy, When you went out, when we went out into the wilderness, okay? When we went out into the wilderness to see John, what were you expecting? What what were you expecting? A reed shaking in the wind? Were you looking for a man in expensive clothing? Look, if you were looking for fancy clothes and luxurious living, you, you went to the wrong place. You should have gone to the king's courts, not to the wilderness, What were you seeking? A prophet? Ah, yes. That's what John is. A prophet. And even more than a prophet, the prophet Malachi was talking about John when he wrote, I will send my messenger before you to clear your path in front of you. Listen, there's no human being greater than this man, John the Baptist. Yet even the least significant person in the kingdom of God is greater than than John. The common people, all of us right here, the common people and the tax collectors heard God's own wisdom in Jesus' assessment of John because they had been ritually uh, uh, cleansed through baptism by John. But the Pharisees and the religious scholars, all of us right here, began to harden our hearts and turn their backs on God's purpose for them because they refused John's baptism. Then verse 31, he, Jesus begins to talk to us again. says this, The people of this generation, what are they like? To what can they be compared? I tell you, they are like spoiled kids sitting in the marketplace, playing games and calling out. We played the pipes for you, but you didn't dance to our tune. We cried like mourners, but you didn't cry with us. And then Jesus is looking to all of us right now and he's he's saying this. You can't win with this generation. Can't win with this generation. John the Baptist comes along fasting and abstaining from wine and you say, this guy is demon possessed. The son of man, me, comes along Feasting and drinking wine, and you say this guy is a glutton and a drunk, a friend of scoundrels and tax collectors. Well, wisdom's true children know wisdom when they hear it. The end. Now, talk about this for a second. John, in a, in, in a very real sense, is aesthetic. In other words, he, he is abstaining from any pleasures of this world. It's like a Hermit, he's like a monk out in the middle of nowhere following all the rules and abstaining from pleasures of the world. And he's following all the rules and yet people are looking at him saying, he's got a devil in him. That's John. And Jesus shows up on the scene and he's hanging out with normal people and he's drinking and he's partying and he's healing and people say, he's messed up. And so... You have the complete opposite ends. The guy that's following all the rules and, and, and just, just not doing anything good with his life pleasurably wise. Like He's, he's like, oh, God, I'm sacrificing myself for you. And then you have Jesus over here who's living and talking and breathing and everything. And everyone in between, these people are looking at and saying, you're wrong and you're wrong. Really? I've shown you two examples, two extremes, and you can't agree on any of this, you wicked generation. You know why you can't agree on this? Because you're so proud. You're so proud. You don't see your need for a savior. You can't release your life to me because you've got everything figured out. (laughs) This story, as you unpack it later this week, because I can't do it justice here, But I I hope that you go home and you read this story. It's going to grab your heart a little bit. You're going to let God kind of prick on your heart a little bit right here. So the question for us is, are you broken in your sin, in prison, and ready for an answer? John was broken in his sin. He was in literally a prison. And he was looking for the answer. We can be going through our life thinking everything's okay, throwing all the parties, doing whatever we want, but not broken in our sin and not looking for an answer. It's not going to end up well for us. Until a person is ready to receive Christ as their redeeming king, until they have a need for a savior, a rescuer, a hero, they will justify all their actions. This was a long one today, wasn't it? A little bit. This is a good one today. I didn't know how to cut this in half. And I didn't feel like we needed it cut in half today. It's definitely two messages or three or four or five. But it has such a common theme that resonates in all of our life right now. Sin. We've said this before, when we're living in sin, it will always take you further than you're willing to go, will make you stay longer than you want to stay, and make you pay more than you're willing to pay. Are you tired of trying life on your own? Are you in need of a savior, of a king? you're doubting? You can doubt. That's fine. As long as your doubt takes you to a conclusion of who Jesus is. If your doubt takes you to unbelief, you're going to be locked in that prison the rest of your life and for eternity. <clears throat> if you would, just close your Bibles if they're open. and I want us to just get into a time of reflection right here. There are so many points made today that I pray that God grabbed you for parts of this. Maybe just that part that you can take home. Like, pack it up. This is what God was speaking to me today. If you're comfortable with it, just close your eyes. Just hold your hands out in front of you again. And I want to begin to just ask some very basic questions. This is the point where I think it's so important. Just align yourself with God. Ask God to show himself to you. Do you find yourself in a type of prison? And honestly, you're, you just need confirmation of who he is. God is big enough to handle that. Just hold out your hands to him and say, God, would you please show me who you are? I need confirmation of who you are. And God, I need confirmation of who I am in you. God, I call out to you in this great need, in this prison that I'm in, in this situation that I'm in. Because it's out of control. How did I end up here, God? How did I end up here? I didn't mean to get here. But I find myself in a prison and I don't know how to break this routine, this habit, this self-destruction, whatever it may be. Just place that in your hand and give it to God. Say, God, here it is need you in my life. I want to find my identity in who you are. Just, just spend some moments in, in that heart right now, in that thought right now, just you and him talking about that. Some of us, we actually enjoy living in this prison. Like we move on from party to party or the way that we want to live life or the way we want to live life on our terms. It's freeing to us. It's exciting to us. Ask God to begin to show you a bigger story to invite you along in a bigger story, one that involves life and love and meaning. Not just temporary stories, but eternal ones. Some of us, it actually is true that we've placed God as a circumstantial God. On the good days, he's a good God. On the bad days, there may not even be a God. God says, I am the same yesterday, today, forever. Call on my name and you shall be saved regardless of the circumstances of today. So maybe that's you in in this place. You just... You're ready to say, God, I'm sorry for my actions against you. I ask you to be the Lord of my life, regardless of what my day looks like today. I surrender my life to you, and I trust you fully, regardless of whether I am jumping up and down on vacation or in a prison, God. I need you, and I ask for that faith. Some of us, were trying to do life on our own. God's been working on our hearts for house churches or for relationships. We need to plug in with each other. We need to doubt together. We need to encourage each other together. Maybe some of us today, we're going to say, yeah, I'm going to commit to house church. I'm going to commit to relationships that I can trust, that we can spur each other on to love and good deeds. I want to do life with people today. I want to ask you this. What have you seen Jesus do in your life? What has Jesus done in your life? Thank him for that. Thank him for that. Say, Jesus, thank you for my breath, my life, my family, my health, on and on. Just right now in this moment, just thank him for what he's done in your life. John asked Jesus, are you the one? He had to draw a conclusion off of what he saw and how Jesus responded. So today, what conclusion will you draw of Jesus? He's showing himself to you every day. What conclusion will you draw of Jesus in your life? I'm gonna ask us to stand right now to a time of, of just response to Him. If today you're just overwhelmed with gratefulness of who He is and what He's done, i invite you just to participate in communion on your back right. Just take the bread and dip it in the grape juice as it, as, it, as it represents His blood and His body that's broken for us. Have a heart of gratefulness saying, God, thank you for my life and what you've done for me. For some of us, our response will be our offering, our tithe and our offering, giving back a portion of what God's given us, just faithfully, generously, obediently. Some of us, there's response cards on our, on our chair. We'd love to have prayer over something. Well, if you want prayer right now, Jared's up here. He would love to pray with you. If you just want to write that down, I'm more more comfortable writing it down, then write that down and put it in the offering basket as well. We would love to pray for you or contact you and talk, talk with you or talk about what God's doing in your life. For some of us, it's just we're sitting here and we're worshiping God as we sing together. Whatever this time looks like for you, I pray that it's just not superficial, just not something we fly through, but it's a time where you get to draw your heart closer to God.